Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And a very, very interesting topic lined up for our conversation today, or so I think, and I hope you do as well. Uh, glad you've made some time to join us. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Jim Mitchell. And uh, today's installment of Chicago's Legal Latte, uh, I've got the pleasure of welcoming a, a new contributor to our series. Uh, Attorney James Dorr is here. Uh, James has brought his extensive experience practicing law to Lavelle Law Limited. I, I know everyone at the firm is excited to have uh, James on board. And uh, he's going to be focused on criminal law cases. And today we're going to dive into that a little bit. We'll be talking about DUIs. Uh, mostly looking at uh, first-time offenders, what they can expect, what the process is like, and what they may encounter if, uh, if in fact, convicted of a DUR. A lot, a lot of particulars, a lot of things we want to talk about, so let's stop me here and get uh, our attention to our guest. Uh, James, very glad you've taken the time. Nice to have you with us on the podcast. Jim, it's nice to be here. I'm very excited uh, about the podcast today. A lot, a lot to cover. So let's start at the beginning. Um, we're talking specifically today about uh, cases in the state of Illinois. Uh, someone gets pulled over. They're stopped for a DUI, uh, arrested uh, under those conditions. You know, what, what happens next? Where do they go, and what should they expect to, uh, to encounter immediately after that? Well, I think what people need to keep in mind is DUI in Illinois is a very serious charge. It's, it's treated uh, very seriously by the state legislature and uh, police and force, uh, officers and law enforcement in general. So, um, it is a Class A misdemeanor, punishable by up to 364 days in jail and uh, a $2,500 fine. So it's there's more at stake than simply driving privileges. There's also um, a person's liberty is also at stake. So it's important to keep that in mind that it is a serious charge and to treat it that way. Now, a lot of different things we want to talk about here in terms of some of the, the items you mentioned, potential fines and, and penalties in jail time. Uh, and you said up to a year in jail, 364 days. So really, a DUI, a first offense, jail time is, in fact, a real possibility, isn't it? it it's, it's a possibility. It's not likely, but it's one of those things that a judge will warn everybody, uh, any defendant in the courtroom, that they face that possible penalty. Uh, so it's something that has to be kept in mind. And if there's aggravating circumstances along with that DUI, such as uh, injuries or uh, you know, property damage, something along those lines, or very high blood alcohol levels, the judges will consider jail time even for a first offender. And is it safe to assume that uh, regardless of jail time that uh, first offenders, there is going to be some sort of a fine uh, pretty much guaranteed? Uh, well, upon a conviction, sure. There, I shouldn't really say conviction. Upon a sentence by the court, uh, one of the things we try to do is avoid convictions, uh, and there's a remedy in Illinois uh, called court supervision. Um, essentially what that involves is a case will be dismissed at the end of a certain period of time, provided you comply with the judge's orders. Uh, one of those is uh, one of the things standard with that is staying out of trouble, no further arrests. Uh, alcohol counseling would be part of that, um, and payment of any fines. Uh, when we can avoid a, a conviction and get the disposition of supervision, that ultimately saves or preserves uh, the motorist's driving ability. 
So it's very important to keep that in mind. There's a difference between a conviction in Illinois and the remedy or the sentence of court supervision. Okay. So, so if someone is is stopped, and again, we we differentiate between uh, whether or not there's an actual conviction. It's not guaranteed. It's not for sure that they're going to lose driving privileges. Maybe some limits, but uh, it, it may or may not occur that they would then have some limits on their driving ability going forward. There, there. It's entirely likely there will be some limits on the, on the driving ability because in Illinois, uh, there's two different things that, that happen as part of a DUI. One, one is the statutory summary suspension that goes into effect, and that's a remedy by the Secretary of State's office exclusively, and that goes to whether a motorist uh, submitted uh, and failed a breath test or refused a breath test or any other testing uh, requested by the officer. So. The first aspect of a DUI, if we look at it in terms of, say, a doubleheader in baseball, uh, the first game would be the statutory summary suspension, and the actual second game would be the misdemeanor charge of DUI. So there's two distinct components to a DUI. Okay. And I want to talk about the testing. I, I know on our podcast in the past I've, I've spoken with some of your colleagues. We've talked about the breath tests that, that can be administered in the field, whether or not drivers should submit to them. Um, does taking or refusing a breath test impact sentencing and or their ability to have their driving rights reinstated? Impact several things, one of which would be the length of the statutory summary suspension. Um, but keep in mind that the reason that law enforcement wants you to submit to these tests is they're looking for evidence to use against you in a court of law. So um, if you submit to a breath test at the police station and it's over the legal limit, and that gets admitted in evidence. That's what's called the, the per se law in Illinois, which means once it's admitted, a judge has to find you guilty of a DUI um, based on that result. So it's very strong evidence. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Okay. Now let's let's talk a little bit about um, someone who is just stopped for a DUI. Um, no, no accident involved. No property damage. Nobody's injured. Um, what is their court process going to be like? Is this a fairly quick hearing? Uh, is there a lot involved as you represent them from a from a legal perspective? Uh, just going before a, a judge, what would someone expect to go through under that condition? Well, initially they'll be given a court date by the arresting officer as part of either the bond paperwork or a ticket complaint. There's there's several ways that they. Uh, can be charged or instrument that gets you into court. But the short answer is you'll receive a court date. It's usually within one month of the date of the arrest. And at that point, um, you answer to the charges with the judge. The judge will want to know, how do you plead? Do you plead guilty or not guilty? That's the first thing, that, and that's called an arraignment date. Mm -hmm. uh, once a judge decides or accepts that plea, then the judge will kind of dictate where the case goes from there, the scheduling of it. So is he going to schedule a hearing for a statutory summary suspension? Because we can contest those. Okay. Um, is he going to schedule a trial? That sort of thing. So the judge takes control and also as part of that process, the defendant, uh, also through his defense attorney, will get all the state's evidence that they intend to use as proof against that motorist at trial. So any police reports, um, you know, receipts as to the, the breath tickets, things like that. Anything that they intend to use in court has to be provided to the defense attorney so he can review that uh, evidence and also build his case. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, what would the duration be that someone might expect for something like this to work its way through the courts overall? You know, it could depend on the complexity of the case, uh, and it's really hard to predict because some things pop up. But generally, uh, from somewhere, say, two months before there's a disposition to uh, six, seven, eight months, depending on if things are set for trial and how busy a trial calendar a judge has in that courtroom. Um, so it could take a short amount of time for some cases, depending on how, uh, I guess, complex they are, okay. if that makes but, sense. Yeah, and let's let's talk about some of the other impacts. Um, you know, we've got a lot to cover here today, so I'm just I think we're going to kind of skim the surface on on a few of these. But it, I, there sounds like there's going to be some financial impact to the to the person uh, who is who is accused of the DUI. Um, what what you know how how are they going to feel? I assume there's some attorneys' costs. Are there court costs associated with a hearing like this? <laughs> we mentioned fines. What about insurance costs? So I guess that all factors in. Sure. Uh, well, insurance companies will, when they find out about this, they can either uh, deny further coverage or, or ask for more in, in as costs to insure that motorist because they would view a uh, DUI convicted driver as a higher risk. So mm -hmm. that's something to keep in mind. Insurance rates quite often go up. Um, another thing with court fines and court costs, um, court fines themselves are subject to a judge's discretion, but court costs in most cases cannot be waived by the judge. So there's costs involved that are mandated by the state legislature, and there's fines that the judge will a lot of times look at the motorist's uh, income level in determining what's an appropriate fine. Okay. Um, now we're, we're flying through the time here. I'm, I'm visiting with attorney James Dort today on the podcast. He's, he's recently joined Lavelle Law. You can find out more about his practice at lavellelaw.com. Today we're discussing uh, DUIs. Uh, James has been providing a very thorough overview. You mentioned earlier, uh, if I heard you correctly, as part of the sentence or as a means of perhaps deferring or avoiding a conviction, um, some sort of counseling. I don't know if this would be, uh, you know, alcohol counseling or driving counseling or you know some of the uh, driving courses people have taken. What what might be an outcome in that regard in terms of what time someone might have to spend as part of their sentence or or uh, retribution, as it were? Right. Well, Jim, what they what the first thing a judge is going to want to do is make sure that the defendant standing before him gets an alcohol evaluation done by a certified provider. So there's different counties that have different rules, but essentially a court-approved provider will sit down, interview that motorist, and determine what level of treatment is needed. Is this person simply a minimum risk who happened to, to stumble into a problem here, or is this somebody with a, with a higher level of a drinking problem, such as would require AA or some intensive treatment? So the courts will look at uh, that evaluation to determine what counseling they order. So they could uh, they could say you have to attend AA meetings on a regular basis in or or face further penalties. Right. If it, if a judge determines that the, that that is the appropriate sentence, that the appropriate counseling would be through AA and an intensive level treatment, then that is exactly what the judge will order in that case. Interesting. Now, what about someone yeah. who's, who goes in front of the judge and says, "Look, I you know." I'm trying to make ends meet here. I've got a job, but I've got to be able to drive to my job or I use my car for my job. 
Um, is that kind of a, well, too bad you should have thought about that first scenario, or, or can a judge kind of help try and keep them employed without further impacting their lives? Well, to some extent, Jim, that, that's a true statement. Now, the, the judges used to, in Illinois, issue judicial driving permits to drive back and forth to work. But since um, uh, since that time, the Secretary of State now is responsible for issuing the driving permits themselves, which are called Monitoring Device Driving Permits, MDDPs. Mm-hmm. And with that, they required what's called a BADE device in a car, which is a breath alcohol ignition interlock device. Um, so there's, there's fees associated with that and installation costs and then fees per month of having that. So um, let's say, for example, uh, the summary suspension is a six-month-long suspension. Well, for five of those months, you can drive basically unlimited as long as you have the bay device in your vehicle. So that process is through the Secretary of State's office. So um, a lot of times uh, when a motorist gets gets arrested, that information will be provided by the Secretary of State's office um, how to get that permit. In addition, their website does contain some pretty helpful information as to uh, the costs involved, uh, how to get the permit issued, um, and, and things like that. So there's some helpful uh, information, and also the providers in the state of Illinois. I think there's nine on their, on their list of providers uh, approved by the Secretary of State's office uh, to install the bay device in the vehicle. So that's a, that's a whole other uh, issue uh, mm-hmm. regarding you know, getting the work. But it's it's something that there is some some uh, measure of relief for hardship. But it's important to keep in mind that no matter what, that first 30 days of a suspension, there's no driving relief. Okay. Well, I guess uh, before we let you go, a very quick answer here, but I assume it's very safe to say that if anybody stopped for a DUI, uh, you know, this is not something you should try and figure out on your own. A a qualified attorney is uh, really someone you need to help work through the process. I'd say absolutely, Jim. There's some very um, complex issues involved, and I've been doing this for years, and I can tell you there's new things that pop up uh, on a weekly basis. So it's uh, something to keep in mind. Yeah, unfortunately, but true. Okay, well, listen, we want to thank James Dorr for being with us. He's done an outstanding job. We're very excited to have him uh, jump in the podcast for the first time and share this information with us. So we'll look forward to having him in the weeks and months ahead. And, of course, uh, every week we're back here. If you miss any conversations, they're all available on Blog Talk Radio or at LavelleLaw.com. You can even download them from iTunes. So we hope you keep yourself involved and listen to all the ones that uh, interest you, and we hope there's a lot of those. Thanks for listening today. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 